heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are flying high with Locked On Eagles, presented by LockedOnEagles.com. We are your daily source for the best Philadelphia Eagles news and analysis. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me at Inside the Pylon, Breaking Football, and Grandstand Sports Network. Also, follow me on Twitter at Michael J. Kist. That's K-I-S-T. As always, I am joined by the best co-host in the game, Mr. Seven-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He's Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation and NDT Scouting. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, once again, I assume the streak is intact, but I want to know because I care. How you doing, brother? Oh, always well, man. That feels like a uh, like like a boxer intro for me. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I want there to be like smoke and like like rolling music in the background. I don't know. My in- my intro gets me pumped. I'm always ready to do the pod. I appreciate it, man. Excellent. Absolutely, dude. Anything to pump you up. We, we're doing good work over here, so you know we got to pat ourselves on the back every now and then. Speaking of what we got going on. If you go to LockedOnEagles.com, me and Ben just dropped uh, pieces tonight almost simultaneously. I put a piece up on defending the shovel triple option that the Panthers used to score a touchdown against the Lions last week and how you can defend it. I also got an assist from a buddy of mine at Inside the Pylon, Deontay Lee. And the he, man. He, yeah, he just put up some diagrams on how he would defend that. So go check that out on LockdownEagles.com. Ben, tell them what you put up there. Yeah, so I went uh, three stock up and three stock down players for Philadelphia. Stock up, stock down. Yeah, and I tried to go, I don't, I don't want to say inventive with it. It's still stock up and stock down. But, you know, I didn't want to go stock up for Carson Wentz, you know, stock up for Patrick Robinson, stock down for... I mean, nobody played really poorly, but it, you know, just uh, just trying to take a look at how the Eagle players are being deployed throughout the season and what it might look like going forward. I'll ask you this question right now because I kind of brought this up a little bit in the post. Mm. You given Alshon, Alshon? You given Alshon? Yeah, you, are you giving Alshon a multi-year contract next year? He's only on a one-year deal, and if so, how much are you willing to shell him out per year? Uh, right now, no. So nothing. Not right. nothing that he would accept anyway. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I'm not giving up on Alshon. We knew what his matchup with Patrick Peterson was going to be this. But week. he wasn't. He wasn't matched by Patrick Peterson for the entirety of the game. He wasn't. You didn't interrupt me. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> this is a very crucial part of, of the eval here, Mike. It's it's very early in the season. I still do have to take a look at the All-22. Mm-hmm. Do you know if that's dropped yet? Because I went to look at the Panthers one and it hadn't dropped yet. But I, I'll, I'll have to see. It's usually by Monday night, yeah. Yeah, I really want to dig into Al- some Alshon Jeffrey tape soon here so I can have a better feel of where he's winning, where he's not winning, where his opportunities are, and whether it's on him or maybe Wentz is missing him or he's just not mm-hmm. flat getting open. So, yeah, that's something I'm just I'm in a wait-and-see mode on. But right now, I would like to see some more from him. Moving on from that, Ben, have you heard the latest news from the dried-out raisinette they call Jerry Jones? Oh, my gosh. This is... I've been thinking about this the past couple of days, just with like Wentz Twitter and everything, about just how negative and upset people get on Twitter and how it's unnecessary and how I try to make sure that I have positive experiences on the community, so on and so forth. This gets me riled up. I have no defense against this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So, okay. After taking full advantage of the photo op to kneel with his team before the national anthem and screwing the camera with his eyes, Jones has now backstabbed his own protest by saying that any cowboy that kneels during the anthem will be benched. Jones obviously has a problem with more powerful men telling him what to do. Hey, but hey, you know, if you work for him, you better toe the line, right? Tell me what business 
does Jerry Jones have taking any moral high ground when he called Greg Hardy a real leader? Let's Mm. talk about Greg Hardy's leadership qualities, shall we? In fact, let's talk about what his ex-girlfriend said about him. Quote, I tried to get up. He pushed me. Then I started fighting back. He threw me into the bathroom. I hit the back of the shower wall where he pulled me out. Unquote. Then he dragged her out by her hair, picked her up again, she said, throwing her onto the futon, which had several assault weapons on him. She landed on top of the rifles, then fell onto the floor. He stood above her and strangled her with both hands. She would later tell Detective Faye Struther that she thought she was going to die. Quote, his pupils were tiny. I mean, he looked crazy. Unquote. This is leadership in the eyes of Jerry Jones. This is the type of man Jerry Jones will employ. But hey, he did kneel, right? Ben. Here, did, did you hear? Okay, so the most recent thing that came out is, so Jerry comes in and he says, the, you know, he gives the quote where he says that any Dallas Cowboy players who kneel for the anthem will be sat for the game. Uh, and it's no secret that he had a conversation with like President Trump, who's obviously kind of the the biggest face as far as anti-protesting goes here in this this conversation so he had a conversation with president trump about this and then you know he has this this new policy even though he kneeled with his players again in the arizona game he said just recently today as we're recording on on monday night that he expected after the entire team kneeled together in arizona for the the pro like the protest for like the disunity of the problems to quote go away yeah because social injustice just goes away right which speaks to the complete misunderstanding of what's happening here <laughs> that like <laughs> that what that implies is all right the problem facing my players right now is they don't know whether or not to kneel excuse me whether or not to kneel that's the problem facing them and so if we all kneel together once it'll solve the problem which is like as skin deep of a interpretation of this as you can get it's just it's very frustrating that there was such a you know even though like like we talked about the about the the entire nfl kneeling after it happened and there was the positives and there was the negative for it we had reached the point where this was such a national thing that you know at least that that hope for publicity and that hope for a conversation had been reached and then you had you know malcolm jenkins doing a town hall on cnn and that's Mm. all fantastic and now we're back to dealing with what some old white guy thinks and it's just so frustrating but i'm i'm on a, i'm on a be positive on twitter sort of push right now so i'm gonna wash my hands of this it's ridiculous yeah the only thing i really said on twitter is good luck signing those free agents that kneel good luck uh signing those contract extensions when yeah. players would rather go to teams that are more sympathetic to social injustice that they probably suffered through uh, a lot of their their childhood and growing up and still have people in that situation so Good luck with all that, Cowboys. I hope Jerry Jones continues to run his stupid mouth. Moving on to some around the NFL news. So let's talk about the week that was, week five, a little crazy. Ben Roethlisberger throws five picks against the Jaguars and says that he possibly might not have it anymore. Someone said that he kind of said it in a joking manner. I saw the actual clip. Didn't seem like a joke to me. (laughs) And the way he's playing looks like a joke. Is it time to look? The Steelers were my pick to go to the AFC Championship game before getting mm-hmm. stomped by the Patriots. Is it time to hit the panic button on the Steelers season? Well, uh, yeah, if you find your starting quarterback saying that he may potentially not have it anymore, that's as as close to panic mode as you get. It's funny to watch all these 2004 quarterback class guys sort of all kind of falling off the cliff at the same time a little bit. You know, Eli's been coming for a couple of years. Ben's kind of held up you know, health-wise, not really, but performance-wise he has. And now they're all kind of descending together. And I think it's even more interesting because you get to juxtapose it with 
a couple of really productive quarterback classes that have come in as far as the 2016 and the 2017 classes respectively look quite, you know, we people debated their, their strength coming into it, but they both look pretty productive in the sense that you've got three solid starters in Goff, Wentz, and Dak, at least from the 2016 class and the 2017 class right now. Obviously, you're only five or some days five or some games in but you've clearly got guys who teams believe are the future of their franchise and Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky so on and so forth and so I I definitely think in Pittsburgh yeah you're at the point where you have to firstly you have to ask yourself all right do I have the coordinators since Dick LeBeau left that really can field a Super Bowl winning team because Todd Haley's always been a guy of controversy there and they've always struggled to play against New England and if you can't beat New England you can't go to the Super Bowl in that conference Mm -hmm. and then you have to ask yourself what's the plan at quarterback moving forward so yeah I think it's panic time in Pittsburgh my question to you we've got a three and two New York Jets team which what (laughs) no (laughs) and then on the flip side of that We've got a two and three Dallas team, and I know we predicted oh, Dallas regression. Yeah, I don't know if you heard Dallas is two and three. They've lost their last two games. <laughs> so we've got a three and two New York Jets team, a two and three Dallas team, and we predicted Cowboys regression on the pod. But I don't think either of us expected Dallas would be under five hundred here, two and three. Which is more surprising to you, three and two New York or two and three Dallas? I would say it's three. Ugh, wow, I would say it's three and two New York. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody expected this team to win a game. People said the same thing about the Browns. People said the, the Browns were going to be better this year, and they're 0-5. They just benched Deshaun Kaiser for Kevin Hogan, which is... That oh was so dumb. That was so <laughs> dumb. Don't... I can't... I have no idea what... How confused are NFL decision makers when it comes to quarterbacks? You have a rookie quarterback. Either tell him he's not going to play and don't play him, mm. or tell him he's going to play and play him and live with the consequences of both, make a choice, and then be freaking consistent with it what does it do to a guy to tell him listen you're a second round rookie quarterback you came in and you won the job it was an open competition you won it so we're going to start you for four and a half games and then when we're down three to the jets and you're not playing very well we're going to try to put in another guy to win this what are you doing what are you doing how is that beneficial to deshaun kaiser at all so the jets get the w over the browns cowboys are two and three just in case you missed it. Speaking of which, I actually did want to ask you about this. This is a nice transition about these rookie quarterbacks. Bring it. Did you catch the Sunday night game with the Chiefs and the Texans? I didn't get all of it, but I have some of it. Yeah, Deshaun Watson throws five touchdown passes. The last one in absolute garbagest of the garbagest time to DeAndre Hopkins, if I'm not mistaken. Which Oh, my, on my fantasy team. Trust me, it was DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, to Hopkins. He was on my daily fantasy team as well. I had him and the uh, William Fuller stack going, mm-hmm. so I was killing it. What do you think about Watson? Trubisky's playing tonight. We're recording, and it's halftime, so we really don't have too much to say about that. It is two to three in the bottom of the seventh there. Who, who do you think out of these young guys has performed the best so far as of right now you know i want trubisky was my number one coming in and so i want to say trubisky barring the performance of tonight obviously the biggest problem and deshaun kaiser is the same issue with the browns May, maybe not for deshaun because you've got some pieces there but i would say trubisky is one of the top five offensive players slash coordinator slash coaches on his team right now he's been a pro for like four months yeah. What? It's absurd how poorly managed. They've got a good interior offensive line in Chicago. Jordan Howard, uh, he makes some splash plays, absolutely, but he is 
slow and he's not durable. He does Ooh. not impress me, and he never has. I, oh. I, aren't you a Jordan Howard fan? Yeah, sorry. Don't don't apologize. He's doing well. You should apologize for yourself. Then. Oh, is he okay? Well, he's not going to be doing well in three years. His shoulder is going to be broken. I'm sorry. Jeez, I hate to break it to you. They've got no wide receivers, no no right. pass catchers whatsoever, and then Doel Loggins, or however you say his name, who's supposed to be the uh, kind of Adam Gase heir apparent, has really underwhelmed me as far as play calling and management goes. Now, if he can develop Trubisky, then it's a saving grace, but that's you know that remains to be seen. Did you see this yet? In the in the beginning of the game, they were driving. They were on the Minnesota side of the field. It was fourth down. They call timeout. The punt team was just about to run on, so they call a timeout to get yeah. the play, right? Yeah. They, they huddle up. They get to the line with, like, four seconds left, and they end up taking a freaking penalty for it. So you just wasted a time to just go it's ahead John and Fox. punt. So it just goes right to your point of that team yeah. is completely mismanaged. John Fox is Jeff Fisher. If Jeff Fisher yeah. got to play with Peyton Manning for three yeah. seasons, uh-huh. that's that's what it comes down to. And John Fox is not a very good NFL NFL coach. So Trubisky and, and, and uh, Kaiser lose a little bit of points there just for their skill positions. Deshaun Watson has done what he did in college very, very well. And he has improved in some of the areas in which there were weaknesses in college. I very much subscribe to the 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 kind of the policy and the thought process of you've got to get a few games worth of a, of the way that an offense runs with a particular quarterback before you can play well against him in right. the sense that I think any team who who watches Deshaun's performance against Kansas City and who watches the way that he played against New England and then who watches the way that he kind of played against Cincinnati will understand all right if I can move him off his spot immediately like before he can get through his first read he's in a lot of trouble Hmm. he does you know he doesn't respond to that very well at all and obviously there are serviceable nfl quarterbacks who don't respond to that very well also you know that's not a it's not a achilles heel that's not going to sink him forever it's on the offense to game plan around that and not put him in that situation you know i saw something very similar to when i was watching trevor simeon for the scouting academy prove it competition he played the chiefs the first time played lights out second game the chiefs keyed in on something and they started rolling safeties before the snap before the snap throwing safeties out into the outside intermediate areas to really mess with his reads post snap and it really affected him so you're right sometimes it does take a few games sometimes it takes you know almost a full season to figure out these quarterbacks but once they are you got to be able to work around it. You got to be able to evolve. Oh yeah, I'll just tell you plainly right now that you will never ever see me firing off a a tweet or a take that is even remotely cemented in anything on a player who has played four NFL games to talk about. Mm. You know, oh, folks are uh, talking about oh, you know, people had better pre-draft evaluations on Deshaun Kaiser than Carson Wentz. I, I, I'm not sure because I changed my quarterback rating system. I'm pretty sure I would have been higher on Kaiser than I was on Wentz. But let's also talk about how we lamented having no weapons. And now Kaiser is playing with Bupkis at right. wide receiver. And and, and and it's it's inexcusable to be so preemptive. So, you know, it's fun to talk about what we see from these rookie quarterbacks so far, but, you know, nothing is going to be set in stone for quite some time. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. But uh, yeah, 
You you think it's some game time decisions? Game time decisions time, my friend. Okay, so what me and Ben are going to do is we are going to throw some rapid fire questions at each other, just one sided questions, and uh, basically get some football, some non football related questions, so that you, gentle listener, can understand how our minds tick just a little bit better. You, you should be scared. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and let you start it off, man. What's your first question? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I'm I'm excited for this one. So. You can you're you're starting the 33rd NFL franchise, mm. and you get to poach one coordinator, not coach, but coordinator from another team to be your head coach. Who is it? Oh, it would have been Kyle Shanahan last year. Mm-hmm. But it ain't anymore. Can I still do Kyle Shanahan? Uh, no, do, it's I a do... coordinator, Michael. <laughs> What's his freaking Josh McDaniels? There it I would is, go yeah. with jo- I would jo- I would go with Josh McDaniels. Give him a second chance. He screwed up in Denver. Sometimes that's that's what it takes. Uh, mm-hmm. to realize your faults and get better from it. I don't know if he'd necessarily be interested in something like that because he may just take over for Belichick when Belichick hangs them up. Uh, he mm-hmm. knows the organization. He knows that, you know, that that's, you know, he's safe, he's pretty much safe there. Let's be honest. Yeah. As long as Brady's there, your job right. as an offensive coordinator is incredibly safe. So yeah, I would go with Josh McDaniels. I, I like the guy. I think he's, I think he's got a good mind for it. I think he has enough distance between his last failed experiment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Question for you, Ben. It's third and goal from the two. Do you prefer goal line personnel or four wide receivers and one running back? Goal line personnel, I'm throwing the football. And when teams run the football on second and goal, nothing infuriates me more. Have we talked about this? No, we haven't. If it's like second and goal from the four, stop running the football. Because the likelihood of you scoring on that run is very low. Mm -hmm. And when you get to third and goal, you're going to throw the football. You are, unless you're a team that has no trust in its quarterback, or at least, you know, has such a dominant running game that they trust their running game and their interior offensive line more than their quarterback, which is, I think, a very small segment of the NFL, you're throwing the ball on third down. So throw it on second down, maintain the space, because you have even extra two yards to work with. I do not understand running it on second and goal. That's my answer. If you had to run on third and two, are you running it from goal line personnel or are you spreading it out? Yeah, I'm going to run it on goal line personnel because I think most teams are going to give you, you know, man coverage on your four wide receivers. And so now I've got what I'll have six blockers in the box then? No, I'll have five blockers in the box right. against seven defenders. Yeah. So Okay. That's fair yeah. enough. In honor of the home run celebration of Tory Smith this past Sunday, <laughs> favorite ever celebration of all time for an NFL play. What is it? Wow, I might have to go dude, and I'm not a big TO fan. Do it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When he planted the freaking ball on the Dallas Cowboys star, even though Roy Williams came and popped him because yeah. he's a pompous jerk, the T.O. that is. Yeah, I still got to go with that. That's one of the one of the top moments that popped in my head instantly. Right after that, it's like Chad Johnson like doing the putter thing with the pylon or something like something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah, the yeah. T.O. one sticks out immediately. Ben, Moser Chipotle. Oh, you're... Oh, come on, son. All right, so... Look, we got I, over a thousand listeners that need to know. Oh, that's facts. So I grew up in high school. I worked at a Moe's, and I'm I'm vehemently, passionately a Moe's supporter and a Moe's stand. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you a couple of things. If I'll give you this, and this is what I always say: if I just want like a burrito with Mexican things in it to eat, then Chipotle is a, is a fantastic option, and it's good. And Moe's is also good, and you can't go wrong either way. You know, I'm not I'm not going to fault Chipotle for having like nice fresh ingredients and making a good burrito. But if I want any sort of 
variety or not a burrito, i.e. a quesadilla or a stack or tacos. Or if I want, you know, just like chips and salsa, and then obviously got the queso thing. I just had chipotle queso for the first time. It is booty cheeks. It is awful. If I want anything, butt right, cheeks. If I want anything outside of just like a burrito, like a classic burrito, then most takes the W. It's not a conversation. I'm not supposed to agree, but I'll agree with you there, Ben. You're up. All right. Next one. I want, because you're a father, I want your best fatherhood story. I want your best story as a dad. Funniest one, cutest one, heartwarming one, whatever it is. Give me your best dad story. See, at first I thought you said my father, and I was like, wow, we're really going to go there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> which, is, which is good. Okay. Oh, I know what it is, and football fans will love this. I'm out in the backyard throwing the football with my son, and I decide that I'm going to take a video, right? So my son was playing his first year. Simeon was playing his first year um, of football. He was a starting quarterback, already won the job. So like super proud, right? I have him doing, simulating that he's under center Mm -hmm. and rolling out, doing the play fake and throwing the ball to me on a curl. I take a video of him doing this. And then I post on Twitter, oh, low carriage having, you know, blank, you know, so on and so forth. So I, I criticized him for having the ball too low, sticking it out for too long, and then swinging up with his motion, like all the technical stuff that like an 11 year old absolutely would not know. (laughs) Right. So he sees this on Twitter because he follows me on Twitter. (laughs) So the next morning I wake up, it's like eight o'clock in the morning. I wake up. I don't know where he is. I look out my window. He's practicing that rollout play action from under center. That's adorable. (laughs) And he's killing it. (laughs) That's fantastic. He's got a snappy play action face, man. Wonderful. That's right. You got to snap it out there. All right. So, Ben, what is your biggest draft crush of all time? I'm tempted to say Danelle Pumphrey just to frustrate all the Eagle fans because I was a big People can hear you. Yeah, I know. But it's it's probably not Pumphrey. I don't want to just limit it to last year's draft board, but we'll see if anybody just scrolling through real quick sticks out to mind. Obviously, I I was a huge Joe Mathis fan, which was a dang shame because Mathis was a very good edge rusher out of Washington who had foot surgeries and he couldn't get back healthy and his entire foot is basically bionic. He's playing for the BC Lions now. And so the hope, you know, all thoughts and, and, and hope and joy goes out to him. I know, I know who it's going to be. I know mm. it's going to be. The Detroit Lions have a safety. He's, he's one of the, he was one of these, uh, these like kind of like big safety box, safety linebacker hybrids you might want to talk about by the name of Miles Killebrew. Oh, I really like Killebrew. Yeah, 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 yeah. He played he played football at Southern Utah. Mm. And he was just he was one of these guys where you could tell, firstly watching, that he just wanted to murder pretty much everybody on the field, regardless of jersey color. Like if you were a linebacker in his way to the football, he was gonna kill you. It just yeah. it didn't matter. Right. And so just you know, he had this he has great motor, just this great passion. You're willing to come down and, and hit. And then he wasn't the rangiest guy, you know, and and he was limited. He I think it was a third or you know, maybe a second round selection. He was probably a day two ish sort of a guy. I can't remember exactly where he went. So he wasn't the rangiest dude, but you could tell that he had, he had good ball skills and that he was really, really, you saw the development and he was really hungry to, to influence receivers at the catch point. He was competitive. He just had a nature to him watching him play where I said, this is a guy I can get into my building. And within a couple of years, I'll be able to play him on defense. Even if it's not in a traditional role that I have right now, this mm. is just such a, a good, football player just a football guy that i want to get him in he the detroit drafted him he didn't start for the first couple of years he's seen increased playing time now i think he had an interception against arizona it was i'm pretty sure and and he's been impressing so miles killebrew was my dude back in the day he was the uh 2014 15 draft 2016 he was 2016 very nice very nice mm-hmm. okay last two here it's definitely my turn yep ben hit me with it 
Nice. Who do you think is like the nicest Philadelphia Eagle? Just who's the nicest dude? Oh, wow. Um, I would John Dorenbos, but he's not technically an Eagle, so I'll have to go with somebody else. I'm going to go with beautiful Bo Allen. Dude, that's just, mine too. What? Yeah, absolutely. He Get just out. seems so lovable. Like the pictures he's taken where he's like on a dock shirtless with his flowing hair and whatnot. He just yeah. seems like he has this gentle dime store romance novel demeanor mm. about him that I find inviting. Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> and, and you know, he always wears the, the pink hair tie in his braid in October. His mother had breast cancer and he's super involved with breast cancer research and with supporting them. And he's one of these very active eagles during this time since Breast Cancer Awareness Month. They were talking about the story a little bit last week. It's just awesome. Okay, last question. Genghis Khan or Alexander the Great? See, I was worried you were going to throw some of these <laughs> like weird uh, history questions at me. I'll tell you, I'll, I'm going to tell you Alexander the Great because he's the only person about whom I have a factoid. I, I can see by your face, I might have made the wrong wrong choice. Uh, no, there's a saint in the Orthodox Church. I'm, I'm an Orthodox Christian. There's a saint in the Orthodox Church named St. Sisuis, and he's pretty awesome. And he's attributed for discovering the, the grave site, the burial site of Alexander the Great. So it's really cool because there'll be like icons just of saints everywhere, and St. Sisuis' icon is him like standing next to a skeleton. So it's like a little bit like offsetting. You're not ready for that. It's very peculiar, but it's a really interesting story. So Alexander the Great for that reason. That's funny. That's a fun factoid because after Alexander the Great died, they actually preserved his his body and I think they encased it in honey, if I'm not mistaken. And there were some successor wars after that where they were all bidding after his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And basically, whoever had Alexander's like preserved in honey body and you could see the body so you've just got like you'd be sitting on like your throne or whatever and you've got like alexander the great like standing up next to you preserved in honey like staring at you with his dead dead eyes so anyway all right enough about macedonian history last one from me last one from me number one all-time movie franchise not movie movie franchise oh ben you're gonna make me look like a jerk in front of you everybody. have to understand our our continuing working relationship and friendship is very relative <laughs> on this question can I go with Game of Thrones, just, even though it's not a movie? Like, it well, feels like it think, should be qualified as a movie. Is that in the question? No, so you can't. <laughs> well, it's definitely not Lord of the Rings. I don't like Lord oh of the Rings gosh. at all. I just, I can't do it. It's not Godfather. I can't, I can't get through it. Michael. Um, Michael. Batman's overrated. Michael! Just stop. <laughs> oh, my word. My favorite movie franchise... Is that a movie that has like two sequels? Can you consider that a franchise? Just give me your answer. I'm not sure of the terminology. Just, on that. I need to get away from this question because you've already brought so much shame to this podcast. Just give me your answer. I'll actually go with the raid. Have you seen the raid? The raid two. I have no idea what that is, and there's no way it holds a candle to either Batman or Lord of the Rings. Please move on to your final question. Hard, hard disagree. Oh my gosh. Would you draft a running back or a safety in the top five? Running back, yes. Safety. You you telling me that I have a one hundred percent guaranteed Ed Reed? Yeah, if uh, oh, it's tough, it's very it's it's very difficult because I'm telling you right now, I was fine with 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 the Jets taking Jamal Adams where they took him at five. I said, you know, I'm okay with that given what's there. It's tricky. That's right on the fringe yeah. though, and I was a big I was a, I was a big Adams fan. There weren't too yeah. many you know marks on his record, and he's playing really well for them right now. Right. The contract is insane, and mm -hmm. the impact on the game from a play to play basis can be argued yeah. as well. You know what I mean? And yeah, I think if I'm also if I'm if I'm predominantly a cover three team then I'm probably going to look into it a little bit more because you're say you've got to get right. two very different types at safety there. 
And so, and you need those guys to fill those roles to make that defense right. work. Yeah, I'll tell you for sure, running back, and it's simply because of the effect a running back can have on an offense as a whole. If you have a transcendent talent at running back, as we saw with Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott, it it can be franchise changing. It can be. We're seeing yeah. it with Fournette too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, running back for sure. I thought you were going to come at me with with what I draft Barkley number one, which that's. Whew, that's been thrown around a couple circles, and it's tough to make that call already because, you know, we've still got a few months. But it's something that, yeah. that it's going to be a conversation. It's going to be a conversation in March. It's going to have to be. I would consider it. Yeah. I would strongly consider it. All right. That has been Game Time Decisions. Ben, let the gentle listeners know what we have on tap for them for the rest of the week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up, gentle listeners? Uh, Bill Richette. Reset. We don't know yet. <laughs> From Locked on Panthers coming on for the crossover show tomorrow on Wednesday. So that's exciting. Bill's a great guy. Thursday, we're doing our preview show, getting ready for Eagles-Panthers. As we said on yesterday's pod, biggest game of the Eagles up to date. So you got to make sure you're, uh, you got all your knowledge. You've got everything you need to know. Friday, we'll be breaking that podcast down. And then coming up in the beginning of next week, we're looking to line up a couple of actually very interesting guests. There's been a lot of talk about the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Obviously, they're a, uh, a prominent team at 4-1, and one, and there's a, de- a lot of debate around Carson Wentz and the way that he's viewed by a bunch of different analysts. So we're going to get some people in here with a couple of shows that we have and, and, and talk about the different ways that Wentz is perceived and maybe the different ways that Wentz is graded and how that, you know, how all those different facets, all those different sides kind of come together to formulate a very, very tumultuous perspective on Wentz, a tumultuous evaluation. So yeah, it's going to be a fun you week. Can, uh... You could you could stop dancing around it. I'm trying to bring on Mike Renner from PFF because I want to ask him about how Carson Wentz is being graded this year because I know a bunch of Eagles fans are upset about his grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also trying to bring on Eric Eager from PFF as well. So hopefully we can bring those guys on and have a, uh, a rational discussion about the what I see as possibly unfair mm-hmm. grading of Carson Wentz. Again, love PFF. I use their stats all the time. If you read my articles, you'll see that I am all over their signature stats from their PFF Edge. Remember to go to iTunes, rate, review, and leave your Twitter handle in the review, and you actually win a chance to get a free PFF Edge subscription. So go check that out. It's a $40 value. Rest of the week, we're going to be talking Panthers, Eagles. You got to keep it locked on here on Locked on Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.